Welcome to the Nintendo Fusion Podcast, a podcast that fuses past, present, and future Nintendo thought. I'm David, accompanied by my friend, Jordan. Hey, Jordan, did you hear that the new Nintendo Switch controllers were a scam? Was it because of the Joy-Con drift? No, it's because they were a Joy-Con. Ah. <laughs> you almost got that one. <laughs> You're getting better at these. <laughs> I'll get one eventually. Speaking of cons, what's our uh, topic today? It has to do All with right. money, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, as usual, uh, a new game was announced by Nintendo and people are complaining about prices. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like a really common uh, recurring topic in the Nintendo community for various different reasons. Um, usually Nintendo will announce some sort of game and then there will be a group of people who don't appreciate what is offered for the value that Nintendo is requiring of it, whether it's for good or not reasons. Um, it's really a there. There's well, I don't know. So like, the, like I said, like this comes up pretty often in the Nintendo community. Um, usually cause like Nintendo pushes out ports or does a very lackluster, like bare minimum amount of effort on some of their games, like the sports series and stuff. Um, and people will always debate whether or not like Nintendo is, uh, charging a fair price. So like some recent examples, um, Zelda links awakening remake. Remember that one, David? Yeah, that one was really cute. They basically just did the exact same game, but just made them like kind of little claymation models in a way. And I, I thought it was really lovely and cute. But did they add anything new? Not beyond nah. the dungeon maker. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a block by block remake of a game that came out in 1990. Um, definitely did not have as much care taken to it as like uh, Metroid 2 got, for example. <laughs> yeah, where it was and, a straight up full blown remake. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Metroid 2 costs uh, two thirds the price. <laughs> Weird. But Jordan, that, that's just because the, the Metroid game was on the 3DS. This was a whole Switch game. That, that, that is the reasoning Nintendo came with. Um, and so like some people, they were fine with it. Um, it was just more Zelda content. If you don't like the price and just don't get the game right. And then some people just thought it was kind of like her, just not enough value because like it's a pretty short game, right? Yeah, it's not that long at all. <laughs> and they weren't really adding much of a hook to it. They had a bit of like a create your own dungeon sort of thing that kind of felt tacked on. I didn't use it at all. <laughs> <laughs> and the worst part was the game didn't run very well. Um, yeah, it was a big shame. <laughs> really low frame rate and it struggled quite a bit in some areas. But I, I mean, the art direction was really cute. It kind of brought a lot of the original charm of the game. It was just kind of like, why did they make this instead of a new 2D Zelda or something like that? Right. Um, and then the, the, the most common trend for this is like with recent ports. So, for example, the HDification of the Mario collection, where they just basically took <laughs> three emu emulations or <laughs> three ROMs and, and, and emulated it. Yeah, they just oh, yeah. slapped some additional scripts on top of it so that it would like inject uh, new textures on top. Yeah, they didn't even edit the ROMs. They edited the emulator. <laughs> um, I'm personally a bit more forgiving of that one just because like you did get three games. True, true. And you got three of the best <laughs> um, two, 3D Mario games for yeah. that collection. You know, you got Sunshine, you got Galaxy and you got Mario 64. 
And it was it was really quite nice, except they used the worst version of Mario 64 that had no backwards <laughs> long jump. But whatever. I also think they really should have added Galaxy 2 on there because it's really not that much more work to put <laughs> on the ROM. And they ended up not doing anything with Galaxy 2 anyway. I know. It was, how long did ago did that come out? Like two years, three years ago? It was and we were yeah. all like, hey, hey, the uh, Galaxy 1 was on here. Clearly that means that they're making an HD version of Galaxy 2, right? Or they'll give us Galaxy 2 separately, right? And three years later, we're sitting here like, or however long it's been. Were they ever going to do anything with Galaxy 2? <laughs> they just forgot about Galaxy 2. Um, I could <laughs> Wait, see them just yeah. wanting to like represent one game from each generation or whatever, right? E- excluding um, the Wii U because they had special plans with Bowser's Fury for that one. Right. But it still would have been nice to get <laughs> Galaxy 2 because then... Because then when Bowser's Fury came out, then we would have had like basically all the 3D Mario games. Uh, we wouldn't have 3D Land, but um, yeah. there, there's other reasons for why we don't have 3D Land. Does it have to do with it's on the 3DS? Yeah, it's really hard <laughs> to port those games. <laughs> Nintendo has to put effort into those. Yes, in order to get 3DS games on. Yeah. I honestly do think 3D Land could be ported over. It's not like it uses that much of the touchscreen for things. <laughs> well, that's the funny the thing is most 3DS games don't use the touch screen <laughs> or if they do, it's just for menuing. Yeah. And then uh, beyond like just ports or whatever, sometimes um, people get upset because like when the game originally came out, it was cheaper uh, because like <laughs> oh, as time has gone on, uh, video game prices have gone up um, to keep up with inflation. And so like, for example, Skyward Sword, which had very, very little done to it. It's basically just an HD <laughs> of Skyward Sword, which is appreciated. It's good to have that game like in an HD mm-hmm. available, available in HD. But they charge $60 for it. And the original game on the Wii cost 50 Yeah. And what new stuff did they add to Skyward Sword? And I know there are all these people that are like, it doesn't matter if they add any new things to it. They, they made it HD and they ported it to the new console. Like all they really added to the game was the Zelda amiibo that lets you tra- travel to the sky immediately. And I guess they fixed the bug that <laughs> softlocked your game if you uh, did the dragons in the wrong order. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> The the amiibo didn't come with the game. Like no, no, it didn't. Like like with Twilight Princess came with the amiibo for sixty dollars at least. Yeah, right. And that was sick. Um, this one the amiibo was sold separately and initially was sold at limited supplies, but then got <laughs> reprinted into Oblivion. Yeah, you can find like eighty of them at your local GameStop. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. I was so worried I wasn't going to get one because it's a really really nice amiibo. Yeah, it's one of those amiibo that shows you if you compare it with like the original Link amiibo from back in the Wii U era, you're like, oh, yeah, dang, the amiibo have actually increased in quality significantly. But anyway, you th- no this longer is more have about the games. Samus like tilting to the side <laughs> and you don't have the what what the fans have lovingly uh, dubbed the pee stick that oh, no. sticks right through their butts. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, in regards to Skyward Sword HD, the game looks awesome. I mean, and We've talked about Skyward Sword before. Well, it may not be like our favorite Zelda game. It's still a high quality game, really, you know, tight level design, even if it is rather short and incredibly linear. 
but did it warrant the whole $60 port on Switch? I don't know. That's a hard question to answer, especially <laughs> considering some of the other <laughs> games yeah. that uh, they've ported. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to the, the most recent port uh, soon. Um, but I, I just kind of want to run down a bunch of like these different controversies because a lot of these are like well, a lot of these were in the topic of conversation for various different reasons. Right. Like not enough content. It's just a block by block remake. Um all you did was emulate this HDFI. Um, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze was a port basically with minimal additional features such you got Funky Kong mode, which is easy mode, right? Um, and that game originally was $50 on the Wii U <laughs> and now is $60. Um, it was only a generation old. It's not like even like an HDFI remake that Skyward Sword got. It was just they clearly have like tools to just move <laughs> U <Wii> games <laughs> over to the switch. I mean, why would um, they change much of the back end <laughs> on those things anyway? Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> the worst Wii U port, in my opinion, or the worst <laughs> handled Wii U port, because like the quality of the game is still good. The worst handled uh, release of a Wii U port was Pikmin three <laughs> because when they released it, um, after they released it, they realized that on the eShop, it was like, what, $20 on the Wii U? <laughs> yeah, so something they, like that. So they shut down the eShop page on the Wii U for Pikmin 3 in hopes that it wouldn't advertise people to go buy that one instead. <laughs> yeah. To the whole, like, 20 people that still have their Wii U's working or something. <laughs> well, apparently it was enough to get people angry. Uh, and Nintendo like brought it back. It's like, was Nintendo just expecting us to not notice it? Like <laughs> what, what was Nintendo's like thought process? Like, Oh, if we remove it from the eShop, then when people go to look for it on the eShop, they'll see it's not there and they'll think, huh, maybe the eShop just didn't exist when Pikmin three existed. I guess it was never here. Like, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I did not buy very many full Wii U games on the Wii U. I mostly had the physical discs, but it was such a dumb decision. To be fair, though, that $20 didn't include any of the DLC for the game. Um, all of the Wii U DLC was paid for Pikmin 3, and all of that came with the Switch port. But yeah. again, they didn't add anything new other than I think a couple of like a mission or two. Yeah, it's don't definitely a port. That. It's not like a remaster or a remake or ah, it, it's very bare bones. Um, Just another one of those ports where Nintendo's like, we really need to recoup some of our costs from the Wii U era. <laughs> Let's take advantage of the massive switch market. And it worked. Whatever. People still bought it. I bought it. I love Pikmin 3. Yeah. But. And like with all these previous examples, I clearly seem to be on the side of uh, cheaper games are better. But with this next one, maybe it's because I'm biased because of Metroid. But <laughs> a lot of people were upset that Metroid Dread was $60, um, even though it was like their headline game for that holiday season yeah. <laughs> for the Switch. Um, and their justification just was that 2D is not worth as much as 3D, which I think is kind of insane. Yeah. Oh, so just because they're developing it in 2D and have to make much tighter layouts and designs, especially in a Metroidvania game. 
and make sure that everything is clearly visible, everything is clearly indicated to the player, that the player knows exactly what they're supposed to do in particular scenarios because they can't walk up and look at it closer. You think that that all of these different types of design decisions that they have to make for a 2D game, that that somehow is worth less? I don't think so, especially not considering the length of all of the 3D Metroid games. You know, Metroid Prime, the entire trilogy, the length of those games is about the length of Metroid Dread. Right. And I think the disparity between like my views on whether or not Metroid Dread was worth it and a lot of the Nintendo community uh, being on the opposite side comes down to my position is how much work does Nintendo have to do? Uh, to bring me me this game versus uh, how much content is available or ad- added or whatever, right? So yeah. a lot of these previous examples, um, we were kind of synced together because like I was viewing it, oh, they didn't do much work and not a lot of work also means not a lot of content. And then other people who just want more content were like, oh, there's not a lot of content, so there's not much to be valued here. Then Metroid Dread comes out and it's an entirely brand new game. Um, So I'm in the happy camp and then other people just aren't right and so it's kind of like everyone's going to value things differently right yeah i mean and that's just kind of human nature we tend to value different things and we put our money where we want things to to go you know like i'd gladly pay for pretty much any metroid content because metroid was literally thrown (laughs) off to the side for so long we got Metroid Other M on the Wii and then Nintendo was like, yeah, you're not getting anything else ever until Federation Force showed up and everyone's like, why the heck do we want Federation Force? This <laughs> sucks. It doesn't even have Samus in it. I mean, it does, but only in like what one mission or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I never played through the whole thing. Um, and then they finally give us the remake for Metroid 2 with uh, Samus Returns or Return of Samus, whatever order they call it. I'm confused right now. Normally I remember that, but anyway, they give us that, and I was like, oh, heck yeah. I, I'll pay for this, even if it is a little bit janky and it shows a little bit of immaturity in its uh, Metroidvania design. You know, It was still somewhat linear with not a ton of backtracking and interconnected areas, but it led to Metroid Dread, <laughs> and Metroid Dread was a whole new game, a whole new experience, and was like, we are reviving the Metroid series for real. You know, We told you Metroid Prime 4 was coming, but look, here's an actual 2D Metroid game that you guys have been begging for ever since you read that one note in Metroid <laughs> Prime 3 that said Project Dread is under development or whatever it said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to be fair, uh, Dread was rumored before Prime 3. The reason why Prime 3 blew up was because that was um, that was Nintendo basically confirming that Project Dread was That's a real right. thing. That's right. Um, also, to be fair, uh, we, we also know that like Tanabe and um, oh, I'm blanking on his name now. Uh, the other Metroid guy. Yeah, the other <laughs> Metroid guy. I'm, I'm going to get blasted for <laughs> forgetting it. Uh, for whatever reason, Kishimoto's name keeps coming in my head. And I'm like, no, that's that's Naruto. <laughs> Sakamoto? Yeah, Sakamoto. Okay. So, um, yeah, both of them, they're both very passionate about the franchise, uh, the Metroid franchise. And they have been trying. They after other M it's not like Metroid hit like a full stop. Like there were projects that they were trying to get off the ground. They just Metroid went into a period of development hell effectively. Um, Sakamoto has been at Nintendo since 1982. Yeah. He, he made the first Metroid. Yeah. And he was a graphic designer for Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. <laughs> like 
anyway, sorry, <laughs> total random aside. I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to look a little bit more into him for a yeah, minute. Yeah, he's but one anyway. of the he's one of the greats at Nintendo, um, but he doesn't get as much attention as uh, Miyamoto. Anyway, so that's kind of like my position uh, for like overarching. Uh, so why are we talking about this now? <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason has to do with honestly what was a little bit of a scandal. <laughs> Not really. More like um, before the Nintendo Direct a couple of weeks ago, Nintendo accidentally pushed the price on Zelda Tears of the Kingdom on their eShop, and it was listed for $70. And that is $10 more than any other Nintendo Switch release right now. And that like had people talking like crazy all over the internet. Like, oh my gosh, is that a mistake? Is that real? Does this mean that there's going to be like features for the switch too, like all the rumors started just swarming around and it was so crazy that Nintendo had to take it down off of the eShop because it was clearly a mistake. And then they basically confirmed that that was the price afterwards, citing we determined the suggested real retail price for any Nintendo product on a case by case basis. And it's like, okay, $70 <laughs> for Zelda. Is that worth it? We'll talk about that in a second. But to make things even more interesting, Pikmin 4 remained at $60 and Metroid Prime Remastered was a $40 shadow drop. Like we got three different price points for games that a lot of people would consider worth the same amount of money. It was just really odd, right? Yeah, it was definitely out of out of character for Nintendo. And I think a lot of the like. I think specifically Metroid Prime Remastered being at $40 was <laughs> a very, <laughs> very strategic uh, yeah. move by Nintendo because that is way, way out of character for them. Just We were well, just talking about Zelda Skyward Sword HD <laughs> being $60. Um, Prime Remastered had way more work done to oh, it. Oh, by far. <laughs> sure, it's a beat-by-beat beat remake or remaster. You know, they didn't change the base of the game. Everything still behaves the same way except for a handful of bugs that they've patched out. But yeah, like... Everything was remodeled. Everything is completely retextured. They changed a lot of the visual effects so that it looks more realistic and real. And it's just like, oh, okay, that's only $40. And I think it's paid off because from what I've heard, it's like chopping or topping the download charts. It is. Yeah, it was sold out on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, like the the physical pre-orders that are coming out later this month are gone. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. insane. <laughs> It is. Uh, I think it's selling better than Nintendo even was expecting. Oh, I'm sure. Um, just because like there's nothing but like praise about it right now because it's just it's one of the most beloved games ever made. Yeah. Um, and they on they they nailed the they did it per, nearly flawlessly. Like there's a few nitpicks some people have like where's the fusion <laughs> suit and the doors look not quite as good as in the previous game. Um, yeah. But these are like really really tiny nitpicks. To the point where this is the definitive version or definitive way to play Metroid Prime, right? Yeah. And like it has every control scheme that imaginable for the game, too. Like, and we talked about this a little bit on our last episode, but like you can play in the original GameCube mode if you really want to. If for whatever reason you're super nostalgic for that, even though in my humble opinion, it's the worst way to play the game. <laughs> um, um, or you can pull out your two Joy-Cons and you can actually play it like it was on the Wii, though. I have found that to be slightly spotty. I get a couple of drops and then the motion controls tend to make they don't drift, but like they make it so that 
neutral pointing position is always in a different place and I have to like pause the game to force it to self-correct quite often. But it's still my favorite way to play because I enjoyed playing the Prime Trilogy more um, than the GameCube releases. Anyway, and then they also added in the dual stick mode that also had a hybrid motion control so you could move around with the sticks but also like more precisely focus uh, your aim using the um, motion controls like you can in Breath of the Wild or in Splatoon. And it's just insane how much love and care and attention they put into this game. And like you said, Jordan, it's reviewing incredibly well. Like it's reviewing on par with some of the best games that have come out in the last like three years. It's it's insane. (laughs) Yeah. So $40 for that. Pikmin 4, $60. Tears of the Kingdom, $70. And (laughs) for for the quote to come out saying like we reviewed and didn't send a product on a case by case basis, uh, they definitely... (laughs) To determine these three games on a case by case basis. <laughs> Definitely. So, so they are they are living up to that quote at the moment, um, <laughs> which I'm personally excited about. Honestly, I've been begging for the betterment of a decade now for Nintendo to go to this kind of model. Right before they always just slap sixty dollars on every single game, regardless of how much work, effort, or value the game has. Um, it's a Nintendo game, so it's worth this much. Um, and I would like things to be a bit more. Uh, variable right like cert you you can green light more projects if like it's targeted at like the specific audience for this price right so you could do some fun things at like the $20 price range for example or $40 price range imagine getting some like modernized well maybe not modernized but like somewhat remastered versions of old um you know, Game Boy color games in like the style of sprite artwork, but more akin to how indies are currently doing it and HDFI it in that way, rather than spending all of your development time making Advance Wars, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. like <laughs> like they're currently doing or um, even Link's Awakening, like we mentioned. Well, I, like those games look beautiful and it's not like yeah. I want them to go away. No, no, but no. there's a lot of games that Nintendo's just not touching because like they probably don't have quite the audience to justify a $60 port. Yeah. I um, agree. A lot of people really want thousand year door, right? Or F zero. We could realistically see a $40 F zero with just re uh, uh, like patched uh, models or whatever. Right. And textures. They could do that with thousand year door easily too. You know, like you were saying, they literally already have the technology to bring us HD GameCube games, even if they're emulated. If they just put that at like 25, 30 bucks and do very minimal effort to give us Thousand Year Door, I think fans would go nuts over it. Yeah, there's a lot of games in Nintendo's old catalog from previous generations that don't need much of a remake because they, they age fine. Nintendo is really good at making timeless games. I agree. But they need to be touched up in like the graphical capabilities or (laughs) control (laughs) schemes. Um, That's one of the reasons why I have a hard time believing that they're going to bring the entire GameCube library to Nintendo Switch Online because those games, as evidenced by Metroid Prime, are fairly timeless, but they don't look that good even emulated. I think that Nintendo should potentially HDFI remaster more of those games than just throw them on their online service. Now, I'm not saying they shouldn't do that. I'd appreciate it. I just think that it's worth more of their time and effort to make those games even more timeless and show how wonderful they are, even with just a remaster like Metroid gets. 
but yeah. Anyway. And I don't expect like Nintendo to put in the same amount of effort in these three masters as it did with <laughs> Prime. Um, right. I don't even I don't even expect Prime Two and Prime Three to get the same amount of love that Prime got. Right. Um, I mean, I think- it seems like the Metroid Prime remaster was definitely retro. Like, hey, let's get familiar with the Prime engine again because it is literally the same engine that the GameCube game used, just the most recent updated version of their internal engine. So it very much seems like it was a an exercise in training up their new developers because many of the Metroid developers have long since left the company um, to get them up to speed, to show them how Metroid works and start working on all of those tools. And maybe, you know, the rumors were saying that um, it kind of started as a, hey, Nintendo, check out what we were able to do with the Metroid Prime game. And then they were greenlit to polish this up and get it ready for mass release and Maybe yeah. that's how it ended up going. I don't know. And if if Prime 2 and Prime 3 do get remastered, I don't think Retro's going to handle it. I think they're going to hand it off to Iron Galaxy. Right, because they um, helped with the the Prime yeah. remaster. So, and Iron Galaxy does fine. Like, they, they poured a bunch of games that run pretty well on the Switch. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I'm, they, I'm totally fine with it. Yeah, they're a port house, and they're really good at what they do, honestly. Well, now they're familiar with the Metroid engine, so it's totally cool anyway. <laughs> Yeah. I think they could pull it off easily. <laughs> um, and then Pikmin 4 stayed at $60. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom, though, is the big like focus of the topic, because like, as you said, um, people are not happy that uh, Nintendo is increasing the price of games. Um, now, the industry standard has become $70, right? Yeah. Uh, with the new generation of PS5 and Xbox Series X. It's really hard to say new anymore because like the, <laughs> the generation has been around for three years. Surprisingly, yeah, but it's still new, Jordan, because nobody can get their hands on a PlayStation still. So <laughs> to be fair, um, I don't think even Sony has like gotten their hands on any dev kits because there are no <laughs> games coming out. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Sony did make that blanket call where all new major titles are seventy dollars now. Yeah, they were the first in the industry to do that. So it's their fault. Well, and they're the leader in the industry, so they get to make that call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now the real question is, like, they say Nintendo Nintendo says we're just uh, determining this by, you know, product uh, pricing on a case by case basis. Right. So, like, what is their reasoning for this? Are they doing it just because they can get away with it because it's Zelda? Because, uh, of course, people are still going to buy it. Or yeah. are they doing it because there's a massive amount of content? Are they doing it because the development cycle ended up being much longer than they thought they needed to needed it to be? Or is it because they need to like keep up with inflation in the market and we're going to start seeing more of these big Nintendo games push that $70 mark? I think all the above. But honestly, I think the most likely reason is because this game is going to be Nintendo's first game on a 32 gigabyte cartridge. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jordan, what other games were on a 32 gigabit or gigabyte cartridge? So there have been a few um, uh, third party games such as like Witcher 3, Final Fantasy XX2 HD Remaster, uh, Dragon Quest Heroes 1 and 2 in Japan only. Um, and a couple usually, of others, but yeah. Usually third parties bend over backwards to avoid <laughs> putting their games on a thir- 32 gigabyte cartridge because it's it's an expensive cartridge to put your game on. Um, and so that's usually why uh, a lot of games will have like some amount of the game on the cartridge and then some other 
stuff download only, right? So like I think Doom was like the multiplayer is download only or something. Um yeah. and uh Tears of the Kingdom, I believe, is around eighteen and a half gigs. Yep, which it's eighteen point two gigs. Which makes it just barely outside the range of the sixteen gigabyte cartridge. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Well, to be fair, Breath of the Wild was 14.4, so we got a whole four gigs of new content, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it would have been really bad optics if they required you to download some of <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom. Could you imagine? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I would be mad. <laughs> You're telling me half the game has to be on my Switch? <laughs> or that so the they... cartridge is literally just to plug it in and we'll download the rest for you? Like, that'd be super dumb. <laughs> yeah. So when they say uh, case-by-case basis, I think what they mean is Pikmin 4 is not on a 32-bit cartridge <laughs> and Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is. So it... Uh, they are pushing the cost of the bigger cartridge onto the consumer. And you gave a bunch of other reasons. And I think those uh, kind of aided the decision, such as um, they can just get away with it because it's Zelda. Yeah. Uh, if they were to put, <laughs> imagine if Tears of the Kingdom was $60 and Pikmin 4 was 70 Pikmin 4 would never sell a copy. I think only like <laughs> a handful of people would buy it. You and me, a couple of the YouTubers that we know would fall apart, you know, a blue puppet in particular <laughs> but yeah. like the general market would be like 70 dollars for this i don't even really know what pikmin's about no thanks <laughs> yeah like let's assume like pikmin 4 is absolutely beautiful it has like all these rendered assets that bring up the 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 amount of storage to 30 gigabytes or something <laughs> right so it has to be on this and so it's a 70 dollar game people would still be livid oh i know they'd be they'd be more upset than they are about zelda to be and fair. It, would, it wouldn't get away with it <laughs> no <laughs> So absolutely um, not. So if they were to increase the price, they had to do it with either Zelda, Pokemon or Mario. And of those three, uh, I think Zelda is the most equipped to handle it because it caters to a more core audience and franchised audience than Mario and Pokemon do. Um, Not that there aren't enfranchised players to play those. There obviously are. But a large portion of their player base are like really casual uh, and younger audiences, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially when it comes to Pokemon and Mario. Zelda, we tend to be the old souls of the Nintendo franchise uh, or the Nintendo community, I think. The majority yeah. of the like hardcore Zelda fans, I'd say that most of us started well before Breath of the Wild. Um, well, at least the ones that stick around for a long time. Breath of the Wild had a massive amount of players come in and join Zelda for the very first time. Yeah. I've seen dozens of interviews of like, you know, content creators of even like Dungeons and Dragons podcast players where they're just like, yeah, my first Zelda game was Breath of the Wild. And uh, I tried to play through like Majora's Mask and it was absolutely awful. I'm like, this isn't Zelda. And I just was like, no, that was Zelda before Breath of the Wild changed everything. <laughs> um, not that Breath of the Wild's bad for doing that. But like, anyway, I, I just think that, you know, us Zelda fans that are the old guards are the ones that also stuck with Nintendo throughout the Wii U era, hoping and praying that we would get Breath I mean, of the Wild before the end of its life. <laughs> what I didn't mean, though, I didn't mean that like, uh, Zelda fans have been gaming longer or whatever. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Like part, Nintendo fans for longer. I just mean that the people who are going to be more likely to pick up a Zelda game are going to be the more likely people to have like gamer as like their moniker or identity yeah. or something, right? Then yeah. um, the average Mario or Pokemon fan. Um, there definitely are tons and tons and tons of people that play those franchises that do uh, do that as well. It's just that 
in law of averages, it's just higher for Zelda, right? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Not to say that those of you that have played Breath of the Wild as your first ever Zelda game, that something's wrong with you. Um, no, I'm, I'm really glad that you managed to join us. I just think that, you know, those, those players are probably some of the ones that are more interested about why the next one's $70. Whereas the rest of us that have played Zelda for a long time are like, yeah, it's Zelda. We're fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like for me personally, uh, I'm viewing Tears of the Kingdom as like a, an event, right? It only yeah. comes like every like so many years, $10, woo, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> well, and the number of years is starting to increase apparently. Yeah. Like the next game isn't going to come for another like, seven years. <laughs> if Nintendo gave a, pr- a proper like a print run for its collector's edition, this game would be $130 for me. <laughs> yeah, I managed to uh, grab a copy, um, but I, I feel bad that you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I'll manage. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, $70 for the base game, 130 for collectors. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, The pricing anyway. But it is weird that they chose to do this uh, basically in a mid-generation. Mid-generation? Don't you well, mean like probably end generation? End generation. During a generation, right? Like yeah, they during one. Yeah. They haven't announced the next generation yet. No, but I think there are a lot of signs that it's around the corner. Sure. We've been saying that for a while, but I really do feel like it's going to happen in the next year, year and a half. It's just kind of unprecedented to um, change price <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> during 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 a generation, I guess. Is what yeah, I, I agree. Say. I agree. Um, so a lot of people are like, why isn't this waited till the switch too? Um, and like, honestly, it doesn't make that big of a difference if it happens now versus when the arbitrary date of the next system comes out. Um, Mm -hmm. other than just to make like humans like patterns. Right. And so like that, that (laughs) makes a clear distinction of transition. Right. And so it's a lot easier to sell. (laughs) Yeah. That, that transition point. I think that we like, we hate transitions, but they are very good separators for us. Like, Oh, this is $70 because it's on switch Two. Got it. (laughs) Yeah. It's not like being on the switch Two suddenly, uh, increases the value of what uh, tears of the kingdom is. Right. Right. So, but they increased like the value of games going from the Wii U to the Switch. So right, and the Wii to the Wii U. Um, yep. So Nintendo's actually been increasing every single generation for well, the last. Except for N sixty four to GameCube, right? Wasn't N sixty four like high, and then they lowered it again? I believe so. Yeah, and then GameCube to Wii stayed the same. But ever since the Wii, every generation it's been going up. Yeah. So <laughs> apparently, for the N sixty four, the game packs were like seventy five bucks. <laughs> yeah like, and people watch. really complained because donkey kong 64 uh, i yeah, believe was more, more than that because it needed it came... the larger console and it came with an extra piece of hardware yeah based on inflation a game on the n64 would be the equivalent of 130 dollars in 2021 <laughs> that is why i only picked them up for five dollars at the used bin <laughs> exactly <laughs> when or, or when you were like or when you're like me you pick them up in college for the first time and it was only like 20 bucks or something yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. I I lived and died by the the five dollar bin at Game Crazy. <laughs> I mean, that's how you managed to get Fire Emblem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but one other thing that I wanted to point out was we learned just a few weeks ago that Nintendo of Japan is raising all of the salaries of their workers. I think the report specifically said the base salaries by ten percent because they want to encourage people to join the company and to stay. Um, apparently, the Japanese video game market is really tight 
I mean, workforce um, retention is really difficult across the globe right now uh, for various reasons that we're not going to delve into on this uh, Nintendo based podcast. But um, I think that that's another really good investment from Nintendo. And if we have to help foot the bill a little bit, you know, because they're having they, they said in the report that they're projecting worse profits this year and they're increasing those wages. So if we have to help pay for that a little bit with Tears of the Kingdom, I'd rather encourage Nintendo to keep good workers, let them stay, keep their workers happy and give us really awesome games. Yeah. And like this kind of go, comes into like kind of the next topic I wanted to come uh, bring up is how do we value a game? And a big like reason or how I kind of like view it is how much kind of like work went into the game, right? Yeah. Uh, versus how much of a market there is to the game. So, for example, um, if I like a very niche sort of game um, and there's like not a lot of studios out there making my <laughs> niche kind of game, I'm going to be willing to pay more, right? Because yeah. that's the only kind of way to incentivize the company to bring that game you you mentioned like we have to like if if we really like metroid we need to be willing to kind of kind of pay more because it's not the big seller for nintendo right yeah <laughs> but they still need to make money off of it so someone's got to pay for it <laughs> <laughs> um so like there's kind of like this like cost of production price versus demand sort of thing if you have a larger audience for a game you can increase the budget right um, and still sell it at like a lower price, right? So it's not mm-hmm. going to be just like this linear function of um, how much content is in a game or like the quality of the content to maps to the value of the game in, yeah. my, in my mind. Um, especially since <laughs> I really am not a big fan of quantity of content being a measurement for value <laughs> because I don't want bloat and fluff in my games. I want, if, if, if there is content in the game, I want it to have like an actual purpose for being there. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of why I butt heads a lot with <laughs> some other gamers. Because <laughs> some people just want all the content. They want it to be a hundred yeah. hour plus game all the time. It's like, I don't need my doom <laughs> to be a hundred hours. Like no. <laughs> having it be 15 hours is great. Like <laughs> I don't need Metroid to be that long either. I, I'd rather Metroid not be that long. Could you imagine a hundred hour long Metroidvania? Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. To be fair, I did put 60 hours into dread. <laughs> yeah, but you played it multiple times and tried yeah. different challenges and did different things and completed it entirely. Like you managed to pull that out of the game on your own. <laughs> not that the game required you to do that to get to the end credit screen. <laughs> yeah, the game's like, what? eight-ish hours on a first playthrough something like that and i think that that's great yeah i think it's worth the money it was a tight experience and that's what i yeah. enjoy um yeah but not shaming people who do like want massive amount of content like they want they they view a like ratio between time spent and uh the amount of money they spend right so yeah. and that's i mean that's, that's really what, appealing to a lot of people that think yeah. about money that way yeah I mean, I think that that's kind of one of the problems we've fallen into with open world games. I, I do love a good open world game. Don't get me wrong. I've had a lot of fun playing more open world games. Um, but I feel like a lot of these open worlds have similar objectives at multiple locations. 
like thinking of the Far Cry series, which is very fun. And I especially love playing it with um, my friends and family members because it's way more fun to play as a duo rather than in a single <laughs> player experience, in my opinion. But like so many of the locations where you would take out like hordes of enemies, they're just like basically the same types of buildings with the exact same objectives with like the same types of enemies. You know, there are some really interesting puzzles and other things that you can solve. There's good story content, but it feels like a lot of the open world games have to pad out content by reusing the same type of stuff over and over again. You can make the same argument for a lot of things that happen in Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild has a lot of the same enemies placed all over the place. Um, some of the environments are very large. In some particular areas of the game, there's a lot of walking between points of interest. You know, Breath of the Wild isn't excluded from this whole open world games typically pad for content. But for in Breath of the Wild, it was it's really easy to focus in on the objective and have that tight experience because you can play how you want. Um, and you can do that with a lot of other open world games, too. It's just when people try to conflate, oh, look at how much content there is in this game because it's open world and they've just copied and pasted but slightly modified all of these objectives a billion times. That to me is like, I don't know if it's worth that whole experience and... Yeah. For a lot of those games, I'm like, I'd rather get it on sale. <laughs> yeah, with a lot of open world games, especially back like five or so years ago, they'd always oh, say yeah. like, how large is the map compared to Skyrim? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was such a weird argument <laughs> that, all that time ago. Uh, and like all that really constituted more. It was just more open space, right? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, I remember when Breath of the Wild came out and people were like, how big is this map compared to this game? And I'm like, why does it matter? <laughs> they're I all enormous. Chronicles X came out and they're like, it is five times larger than Skyrim. I don't remember how much larger it was, but it was larger uh, by some random measurement that they were using. Um, <laughs> what are you basing this off of? Walk speed or yeah, what? <laughs> like... <laughs> I think it was walk speed. It might have just been like. <laughs> Were they walks. taking into account that most of these games have variable walk speeds? Like you can improve <laughs> your walking speed later. Well, that's the thing. Like Chronicles <laughs> X was so large because you have a mech for half the game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, personally, it depends on the type of game. Um, like you, Jordan, I tend to not care how much a game costs if it's part of a series that I absolutely adore. Like. I will pay full price and collector's price for uh, Xenoblade, for um, Zelda, for Metroid, all of those games. You know, I want to show my support for those series because I love them dearly. I tend to latch on to series and love them more than most people tend to. But when it comes to some of these other games that, you know, I'm not the biggest fan, I'd prefer to have them a little bit cheaper or to get them on sale. What it comes yeah. down to for me is how much enjoyment am I going to get as part of the experience? That's what it comes for me. Down to it me. doesn't really matter how long it takes me to finish the game. It matters how much joy and fun I have with it. Yeah, it comes down. And like, I, I think a lot of people online don't like that kind of answer because that is not <laughs> a quantifiable solution. Um, <laughs> you no, can't, it's not. <laughs> you can't make an objective statement of whether or not um, something is worth it. Um, I will say it's not so much about like supporting a series that I care about. Um, it's more of just like, I, I like the value or whatever. Right. So like, yeah. for example, I didn't buy a Skyward Sword HD. Like I love Zelda to death. It is my favorite game franchise ever made even more than Metroid shocker. 
Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> we need to talk about Zelda more on this podcast then so people can understand that. Because <laughs> I'm kind of the same way. <laughs> like, I love Metroid. Metroid is like a triple S tier franchise for me. Zelda's like a, a quadruple S. Yeah, a quadruple 10 star S or Ooh. something. Like, wow. It, it, yeah, it's, it's insane. Like, my entire top five game list is almost entirely just Metroid and Zelda if I'm allowed <laughs> to put on multiple entries from a franchise. But anyway... <laughs> Yeah. Um, I still didn't pick up Skyward Sword HD because it just like I like Skyward Sword. Um, yeah, it just didn't seem like the value was there. Right? I didn't pick up Pikmin, Pikmin three. They just didn't do anything with it, and I love that franchise. So, yeah. um, and like if Metroid were to make an other M two, I might <laughs> I might complain about that one too. So even <laughs> like when it's one of my favorite franchises, so it's not so much about like showing support or whatever. It's um. It is going to be, as Nintendo said, a case by case basis, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I say that I will show my support for everything, but there are definitely games that I have not picked up. <laughs> so and like that value is going to be different for everyone. So when someone says like this game doesn't seem worth it to me, that's their uh, opinion, right? It, yeah, it, it's valid. Um, I mean, if I think it's worth it, I will try to talk to them about it and share my opinion. But it is ultimately up to them. Everyone values money differently. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that's perfectly fine. But hey, yeah, there is like another option to get Zelda. Um, you could get the $100 eShop voucher if you have Nintendo Switch online. Um, Zelda counts for it. So you can yeah. get it for cheap and then you can pick up another game for basically just $30. Or you can get Zelda for cheap. It's like depending on how you want to look at it. Either you're getting one game for 60 and Zelda for 30 or you're getting Zelda for 70 and you're getting a game half off. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I think this is another like more proof effectively that the reason why Zelda is more expensive is because of the 32 gigabyte cartridge. <laughs> yeah. <I agree>. Um, <laughs> and before people say like, well, why didn't they um, just make the digital version $60 or whatever? Right. And I, I think it's because <laughs> if Nintendo were to have it marked down on the digital vert on their digital store, it would have like soured relations with uh, brick and mortar <laughs> partners. Yeah. Um, so they kind of went with this roundabout way of how you can, effectively bring down the price and it actually kind of is a decent deal so like if you're planning on picking up pikmin 4 and tears of the kingdom this year which i am um this is a 30 dollar discount yep um it's pretty good and since this is digital uh they don't need to foot the extra bill for bringing it from a 16 gigabyte cartridge to a 32 gigabyte cartridge uh the the foot the bill is already on your end because you're the one who has to take care of buying your own memory at that point <laughs> yeah <laughs> good luck fitting both of those games on your switch when you only have 32 internal and a lot of that is taken up by the operating system <laughs> <laughs> so you you already have to purchase your own sd card um i'm personally probably not going to do this uh i kind of want a physical version of Zelda, but that's just Zelda's me. definitely a series that I want. If, if you're playing for. on a budget, this is definitely a way to go. And if you want to go even more of a budget, um, eShop gift cards are often on sale at places like Costco and stuff. So you yep. can even bring down that price even further. I think you can also use that e those eShop cards on the vouchers. <laughs> yeah, you can actually. <laughs> so you, you can do that. But I think that the vouchers are a good deal. I'm glad Nintendo brought them back. They had them and then they got rid of them for some reason. And now they're back again. So ah, I think the reason is that they want people paying 
full price as much as possible. <laughs> they bring them out to like avoid controversies. <laughs> like, oh yeah, sorry guys, Zelda's seventy dollars, but wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure the first one was added to like soften the blow for. Uh, now Nintendo's charging money for <laughs> internet. <laughs> oh, probably. <laughs> it's like you can get I, I could be completely wrong off on that one, but ah, uh, yeah. Anyway, but in all honesty, I think that the three price points that we got for the last direct for these new games, you know, forty dollars for Metroid Prime Remastered, Pikmin Four sixty dollars, and Zelda seventy. I honestly think that. All three of those games are priced correctly. Yeah. I in my agree. opinion. And I know a lot of people are upset about it still, but I think that yeah. they're worth the amount that they've said. Honestly, I'd pay $60 for Metroid Prime Remastered. It's so good. <laughs> well, yeah, like I was expecting to pay $60 and they dropped it down to 40. It's like, okay, <laughs> which <laughs> sweet. I'm very happy they did. Uh, it increases the amount of people who will pick it up and play Prime for the first time. Um, Fall in love with Prime. <laughs> and as a Metroid fan, all I want is as many people to play Metroid as possible. And yes, please. It's real nice that Nintendo is finally putting like actual strategy into the release of Metroid games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and Metroid, I think, is one of the easier series to market towards like the teens and adults, right? Like it's a little bit more of the mature title with has guns <laughs> and uh, has some scary moments like I think that they are starting to realize, hey, this is a market that we can really get in on. And I'm happy that they are because they're very good. It's definitely a big bummer for some people. Um, yeah. That Zelda is $70. Especially uh, for it, people with financial situations that are different from our own. I, I do feel for you. Yeah. It, um, it sucks. Hopefully, hopefully there will be some deals uh, going on uh, in the future. <laughs> um, <laughs> unfortunately, this is Nintendo. So like their games never go on sale. (laughs) If they do, it's a very rare occurrence. (laughs) I think they had a couple of games go on sale a few months ago, but I can't recall which ones. Yeah, but their evergreen titles typically don't. Yeah. And this is definitely going to be built up as an evergreen title. Unless of like the switch Two is next year and isn't backwards compatible. It better be backwards compatible, but that's a whole nother discussion for another day. In fact, we've talked about it. (laughs) It does worry me somewhat that um, games are pushing towards the $70. You know, I'd like them to sit at that $60 point. But if Nintendo really is going to do this on a case by case basis and show us that some games are still going to be at the 60 and some are even going to be pushed lower, I think it's a really good compromise that they're pushing their upper bound to 70. So the thing I'm concerned about is when the next generation does come, I think the standard price for Nintendo games is going to be 70 going forward. Um, I, I think you're right. It would be nice, especially if they're all breaking the 16 gigabyte. Well, point because we, we don't, we don't know what, what the like cost materials will be like for the next. Uh, we true. don't even know if it's going to be cartridge based. Um, uh, they could I go guess. all digital for all we know. <laughs> That'll be another controversy. <laughs> <laughs> Completely put GameStop and Amazon and all of their other sales like gone. <laughs> It'd anyway. be a, all digital console with um five or with thirty gigabytes of internal storage because <laughs> that's what Nintendo would do <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no, but but I do I do think you're right. I do think that the next gen will be seventy dollars. But yeah. I'd like to see Nintendo play with that number a little bit, depending on the type of game. Yeah, and I'm hoping Metroid Prime Remastered is like a, a blowout success so that Nintendo's incentivized to try out the $40 price tag for more games going forward. I agree. 
I agree. So, uh, do you consider Zelda to be worth seventy dollars? I <laughs> do. You even have to ask me. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. Especially yeah. given what we've actually seen in the trailer. Um, at first, I was a little like, I don't know if Tears of the Kingdom is going to be that different from Breath of the Wild. You know, I was always hopeful and excited. But looking at what they gave us in the new trailer, the fact that we're going underground, we have a sky portion and there are some significant changes to the Hyrule overworld. Yeah, no, I I think it's going to be worth the whole $70 experience. I think this will be one of the greatest Zelda games ever made. Yeah, I guess. So we'll have like another conversation, I'm sure, about this in the future. (laughs) Um, I imagine this is going to be a game that I'm going to really enjoy. I'm going to probably be a bit disappointed that they chose to reuse Hyrule instead of going somewhere new. Not that like it'll make it. I'm sure it's going to be like a phenomenal game. Right. But there will always be that nagging feeling in the back of my mind. Like, but what if they made an entire new region and did all this too? Yeah. Yeah. What if they revisited Termina for the first time in years? Oh, yeah. Or if they happen to go to new Hyrule from the yeah. um you know have trains then maybe, the vehicles would make sense <laughs> maybe low rule be in this game we don't know <laughs> who knows <laughs> but maybe they're hiding some stuff i mean maybe. if i really wanted to jordan i could go look at the art book leak that happened yeah, this I'm week avoiding that. <laughs> but i'm avoiding that too i saw one picture from it and i was like damn it <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe the minish will be a big part and there'll be entire subsections of like minish only accessible oh, areas we know they tried playing around with the minish in yeah. breath of the wild for a while so well there's enemies with minish icons have you seen that what no yeah those are minish icons eni- yeah some of the some of the enemies have like this broomstick icon on like that's the minish icon yeah I we're playing so. through Minish Cap, you and me. Like, how did I not make that connection? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's what we're talking about next week, by the way, is Minish Cap. Or yeah, we're going to try to. We're currently going through Minish Cap right now. Um, so, yeah. Ah, we need to do a whole episode on uh, Tears of the Kingdom theories as we get closer. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Yeah, I'm excited for Tears of the Kingdom. One thing I'm really concerned about Tears of the Kingdom is I imagine people are going to be much more critically harsh with this game than they were with Breath of the Wild. Uh, Because they're going to be comparing it to Breath of the Wild. And a lot of them are probably going to be like, oh, well, there's not enough different or whatever. Right. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we will probably be more critical about it, too, because we loved Breath of the Wild so much. And I think in one of our original reviews, we were like, if they addressed this, this, this and this, the game would be absolutely perfect, even though we gave it perfect tens anyway. So (laughs) I mean, I'd still give it a perfect 10. Like, it's one of my favorite games of all time. Oh, I agree. I agree. Like I said, my top 10 list is almost all Zelda and Metroid <laughs> games and Breath of the Wild is in there. <sighs> I'm so excited for it. We will definitely talk about it more as we get closer. So you can look forward to that and you can look forward to us talking about other uh, Zelda games, too, since uh, we're working on that. But um, I don't know. Is there anything else that we really need to bring up about this whole pricing discussion? I think we've covered pretty much every major point. I think I'm good. So in conclusion, I'm sorry that Zelda is $70, but also I'm okay with it, right? That, that's kind of what we're both at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the everyone's reasoning for being upset that it's $70 are completely valid. Um, yes, yes. Because like you said, everyone views money differently. It's just that I have kind of already come to accept that this price was going to be a thing. Yeah. Ever since PlayStation made the Switch, I think it was inevitable. So... 
Um, if you're totally upset about it, come chat about it with us on Discord or leave a comment. Uh, we'd be happy to hear about all of that. Um, you can check out our Discord by going to nintenfusion.com slash Discord. Um, and then, of course, leaving comments that's just right there at the bottom of the box or, or review if you're on a podcast app. Uh, please be sure to also give this uh, podcast episode a like if you liked it. Um, and... I guess, you know, maybe share the show with your friends. That that might that might be nice. Um, <laughs> anything to help the YouTube and podcast recommendation algorithms um, out a little bit. Uh, we greatly appreciate that. But with all that said, I think that wraps up this episode of the Nintendo Fusion podcast. Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye bye. See ya.